You're listening to iFanboy.com, Pick of the Week podcast, episode 87, sponsored by Jim Haley's Universe, ComicHole.com, and the Netflix. Welcome to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast. This would be the 87th episode. I am Josh, and I'm here with Ron. Hey. And Connor. And Hello. I haven't done this in a while, so hopefully I do this better than Ron did last week. So here we go. You already, you already started off to a good... I know. It's already yeah. rough. Yeah. At iFanboy.com, we are fans of the comic books because we like to read them. And so each week, uh, we'll read a whole lot of them. One of them will pick the best book that they did that week and write a review about it, which you can see on iFanboy.com. And then we will come here and talk about that book. Uh, along with many others. And then uh, going forward, you should know that we're going to talk about those books in some detail. So having not read them, you might find them spoiled, I think. Possibly. It's yeah. possible. Probably. So here's the warning to you. Uh, we're talking about the books that happened, and uh, we're going to talk about them in the detail. So um, we got a whole lot of stuff to do. I think we're going we're gonna to switch it up a little bit this week uh, and talk about some trades later. So stick around. And uh, starting off, Ron graciously filled in for uh, me, who actually had the pick. But then uh, Ron, Ron said, "Don't listen. Don't worry. I I know it's difficult. I got this for you." So what did you bring us? Well, um, I didn't know we were going to go there. Okay then. Um, uh, so yeah, so this is a, so like last week, Connor was enjoying the fact that it was a great week for comics, and it was a f- yeah. another fantastic week for comics, at least in my point of view. Um, I got like fifteen books. Um, so it didn't make the the job of picking the uh, of picking the pick easy. Um, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, and honestly, there were a lot of things go going in going into this uh, this week. There are a lot of books that I really really enjoyed and I was really really impressed by. Um, and we'll get to them later on. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, like we've always said, the, our pick of the week is the book that we enjoyed the most um, for whatever reason, be it quality or be it nostalgia or be it. You know, for whatever, and for me, it, it had to be X Men number two hundred this week, um, and it, it was a surprise. I was surprised. I surprised myself even that I picked it. Um, you know, tip, you know, it's the usual. I shocked me. <laughs> I know it was, it was shocking. What did I do? <laughs> it was the usual, um, you know, two hundredth issue kind of extravaganza that Marvel typically normally does on these. You know, every. 25 issues it seems like there's always something it's funny how you could say the usual 200th issue and really there should only be one 200th (laughs) well no i mean like the usual highlight issue you know you know like the 175th issue extravaganza it ends at a zero let's go (laughs) but um so this was a fat fat issue i don't even know how many pages it was it might be 32 it might be 48 i don't actually know because they don't know they don't print page numbers anymore but um and it was written by mike carey and the pencils were by Chris Bocciolo and Humberto Ramos, um, which I thought was really interesting. And when I saw that on the credits, I was like, huh, how about that? Um, and the well, they, were, wa- they were switching off arcs, weren't they? Yeah, but the thing is, is that, well, like, what, the thing is that I don't know who's who. Like, right. I, don't know, I don't know what page was, was Bocciolo versus what page was Ramos. And I don't know if either of them – and the, th- the funny thing is about that is that, like, I love Ramos and I don't like Bocciolo. And so now it's really making me read, look at that, and wonder if there's really any difference. <laughs> no, that's a big difference. Yeah, no, and I'm sure, and I'm sure people will write in and tell me, you know, oh, aren't you stupid? Didn't you realize that Bachelor was doing pages 32 to, to 35 or whatever? But I don't care. It's really it, interesting that like we're seeing this in this book and then in Captain America and like yeah, yeah, yeah. This well, is a, I, seems like a new thing. Well, I could see. I mean, I could see why they would have two artists on this book because it was longer, and because both Ramos and Bachelo have been on this title over the past couple of a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the idea of two artists whose styles complement each other to the point where you don't know who's doing what page really could be the solution to the whole monthly conundrum problem. You know, artists. You know, like if if Chris Bachelo can't do a monthly book, and you have him do, you know. 15 pages of a 22 page comic and somebody does seven you know the, the remaining seven and the book comes out monthly I'm okay with that that's cool I, I would not like that well yeah, uh, but, yeah. You, but you've got that on Captain America I'm yeah, dealing I'm with it thrilled about it yeah Right, but I'm just saying. But, but you love Captain America, and so I, mean, I don't know. I think I like the idea of the inte- artistic integrity of like an arc with the artist and it's like because the more the, it's well the thing is like the more cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, like, it's exactly. working for that, but it's very easily could not work for that. Yeah, I mean, it's, and then it's, you it's, get you get a lot of what you happened in fifty two. 
Well, yeah, exactly. And the pro- the problem being is that if is is finding artists that are complementary to each other, like and like I said in the, in Captain America, I was surprised that there was another artist. I, I thought it was just Epting. And in this way, I I mean, I'm sure if I look really closely, I could probably guess and try to figure out who is who. But like the, it, the art flowed so well that it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, and ultimately that's what I think is is important. Sure. Um, but so then, so that was on the art side, and then and the art was fantastic. By the way, the art was the art was vibrant. It was energetic. It was great. Um, and then um, on the writing side, Mike Carey, I've been giving him a bit of a hard time. I've been you know, saying that I don't know if he's cut out for the superhero comics, especially the X-Men. I thought I was afraid we had another Chuck Austin on our hands. Um, but he kind of brought it with this issue. And, and what we had was this is kind of like the, the ending of the previous story arc and the, the, the now picking up of the latest story arc. And the the key moment, the key the key kind of plot points, the hinges, and the spoilers, if you will, is that at the end of the last um, story arc, uh, Cable's whole country that he built, Providence, was just destroyed. And Rhode Island? No, not Rhode Island. It's Providence Island in the Pacific That's Ocean. Um, P Town destroyed. They the the Rogues X Men team with Mystique and Iceman and stuff like that fought um, a villain called Hecatomb. Uh, yeah, don't ask me. Sounds like a bodily function. And um, and it's it's uh, a villain that had absorbed people as it you know kills things, and so the way they defeated it was Rogue absorbed it, and so she touched it and she absorbed all eight billion souls and eight billion minds that this villain has 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 grabbed over the years. So this this picks up right after that battle and them going back to um, Mystique's house in the country. Um, uh, by the country, I mean the South. I apologize to you, country people in the South, <laughs> by referring to your land as the country. But <laughs> they go to um, they go to I believe Georgia, um, where Mystique and oh no Mississippi, I'm sorry, in Caldecott County. They go to Mystique's old house um, to kind of bring Rogue, and then they call in the the Cyclops, Emma Frost, Wolverine, Beast team to come help Rogue because she's in trouble because she's got eight billion minds in her and she's losing her identity and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of one of those X Men kind of things where there's like the the strong gathering, a lot of characters at once, um, and then on a side plot you've got Cable dealing with the um, Cable dealing with the aftermath of the Hecatomb thing, and all of a sudden Gambit and, and Sunfire show up. And we last saw Gambit and Sunfire when, after the whole apocalypse debacle, when they turned Gambit into one of the horsemen, and now Gambit seemingly is back to normal, and he refers to the fact that he's back to normal, but doesn't explain how or why. Um, And then at the end of the issue, the big twist is that um, the Marauders attack the X-Men in Mississippi. And the Marauders were a team that was form uh, a villain, a villainous team formed by Mister Sinister back in the early X- Uncanny X Men two hundreds, um, and that was the team that had um, uh, Scalp Hunter and um, Sabretooth was originally part of it. I feel like Gordon uh, in that sketch. <laughs> anyway, um, and the the big twist was is that apparently Mystique is leading them, and, and it, the issue ends with Mystique shooting Rogue. Which is kind of a big deal because she's her adopted daughter and all that whole kind of deal. So anyway, but there was a lot of action and it really kind of you know like it was just a it was just a ball to read. And then on top of that, you had the first pay, the first section of the endangered species crossover, um, which we talked about last week. Um, and so it was a short you know I think like six or eight page. Um, uh, eight-page backup story in the back, and it had to do with the Beast giving the overview of what happened with Scarlet Witch and M-Day, and he's kind of giving a narrative as what he's been trying to do in order to solving the mutants being, you know, not existing anymore. And he's basically explaining that he's met with Reed Richards, he's met with Tony Stark, he's met with Hank Pym, he's met with all the great minds, and they've come up empty. And he says, so now I'm kind of desperate, so I'm turning to you. And it, it ends on the last page, and he's looking at a bunch of video screens, and it's like Doctor Doom, uh, Mister Sinister, the High Evolutionary, um, uh, <laughs> that's, Modok. That's a it's difficult like, conference call to put together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was the one thing I was like, how did how does he have their numbers? Like, how, like you know, like how does so does one know, o'clock work for everyone? I know. Can you imagine that? Seriously, it's like how do you get them all on the on the phone at the same time? What's this video? Luckily, they also got the video conferencing for software. Yeah, exactly. It's funny exactly. because in the history of um, superheroes and sci-fi video conferencing with supervillains has been around a long time yeah you know whereas in the corporate world not so long (laughs) in the corporate world not so easy trust me I've tried (laughs) yeah but apparently you know one of the things about being an art supervillain is you really actually have a lot of free time and you're also on the on the cutting edge of video conferencing technology yeah well the other thing is like you know you're getting an email back from Modoc it's like any time after one works for me that's totally fine (laughs) And then Dr. Doom's like, wait a minute, is that Eastern time or Latvarian time? <laughs> <laughs> it just gets really difficult. But um, 
So regardless, um, it was really it was a really uh, cool way to kick off that crossover. And, oh, uh, I have a ritual execution at two. <laughs> Is there any way? <laughs> and Modok, <laughs> I just love Modok. <laughs> High evolutionary. Oh god. Anyway, so um, and I think one of them was Mojo, but I'm not quite sure because it does. It looks kind of like him, but not exactly like him. High evolutionary, a monkey. No, High Evolutionary is a big dude with a helmet. Is there a is there he has a monkeys on, he has monkeys under him though? Is there a DC character that's something like that? Who's <laughs> a gorilla? Gorilla Grodd. Yeah, but there's other ones. There's like smart monkeys. Yeah, the brain. Yeah, the brain ape or something. Oh yeah, Monsieur Masala or not? And and also in Savage Dragon, there was a, a monkey with Hitler's brain attached to it for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, but anyway, so it was it was a lot of fun, and you know, and like I said, my review on iFanboy.com, I had a chance to read it. You know, this isn't a jumping on point. This isn't accessible unless you're an X Men fan. You know, but like that's okay. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying last week: is that with all of this gray area, Captain America versus Iron Man and heroes and and blah blah. Like I just want some old fashioned villainy. And some old fashioned. Yeah, but now villain. you're getting the villains helping beast, so you're still getting some that gray area. Yeah, which is kind of yeah. Well, yeah but that's, that's I, only bet for, that they, I bet that it turns around and they betray him. Oh, yeah. Someone may have an ulterior motive. <laughs> um, I think one of these villains in the upper left hand corner is the vulture, but I'm not sure. He doesn't have video conferencing. I know exactly. I love <laughs> he's, he's that old crusty dude. Anyway, um, I don't know how to work this mouse. What's going on? <laughs> But anyway, for you know, for three ninety nine, it was a thick, thick book, and it took a while to read, and there was a lot going on, and it was just fun. And as an X Men fan, it was you know, like I'm just like, okay, cool, um, this is gonna be a fun summer. So I was very excited for it. Um, and you know, as the only one reading it, I doubt there's anything you guys can add to it. So, so. is there is F- there you. is there a kickoff to this? Like, is this going through all this, this storyline in X Men two hundred is just going through X Men, or is it going through the other books? Um. I think that this is just an X-Men 200, um, and then the Endangered Species is going th- uh, throughout the other books, because I think Uncanny X-Men's got this whole other storyline with Storm and Nightcrawler and... Um, and they, they weren't there. It was just... Un- they were not there, yeah, correct. Astonishing yeah. X-Men and the X-Men. Yeah, although I doubt this is taking place in Astonishing. No, but, no, uh, no. Yeah, well, that's a, a year behind. But yeah, but, ba- yeah, well, but basically... You'll see, you'll see part two in, in a year. <laughs> but basically, yeah, basically it's the Astonishing X-Men and X-Men 200 kind of together, and it ends with them fighting the Marauders, um, which was awesome. So, Alrighty. I'm, yeah, I'm sure so. that that was very good for you. <laughs> so, But now the, the book that came in a very close second to be in the pick of the week was um, Green Lantern Sinestro Corps uh, special number one. The know. whole time reading this book, I was like, Cor, Corp, Cor, Corp, Corp. <laughs> Damn. Um, so you you guys all got it? Yes. Quite um, quite by accident, but yes. Um, so thank, all I thank you, Connor. In a You're word, welcome. in a word, awesome. Awesome. Like one of the best books in months. Yeah, like really, really good. Yeah. Exciting, like, dramatic. It yeah. Was, it was the whole time. It was it was, it was like one big, uh, well done action movie. Yeah, totally. Oh, it was great, Josh. I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> to me, no, and I, I think it was a really good sort of classic t- style of comic book. It's what the kind of thing that Jeff Johns really does well. Um, to that end, I find that Jeff Johns' sort of style is a little traditional for the kinds of things that I like. But I understand why everybody liked it. I enjoyed it, reading it a lot. I thought, um, I just thought it was very classic and very traditional. So, um, traditional, you know, like, you're a sniper battle in space. I know, but that just seems like high concept action stuff to me. Right, that's not traditional though. Like what? What? Like what? Non-traditional? Like what do you mean by traditional? I no, mean, like, I just I mean like it's like straightforward that. space superhero Green Lantern stuff. I mean, it wasn't anything like like it was just like I don't know. It was just traditional. It was not, there was nothing sort of sort of new or revolutionary about it. It was just really well done. Uh, I'd say this is very, very new in terms of right. in terms of superhero stuff. This is this is you know this is. I mean, I thought I thought the the anticipation and the like not knowing what's going on and like the the begin the beginning with all those yellow rings shooting out and there and when you when you when you travel with the Green Lanterns and as they understand what's happening mm-hmm. as they start you know start realizing kind of what's happening and then um and then just the the rallying of Sinestro and all his 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 corpse 
or whatever they are. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even think to think whether it's traditional or non-traditional. I mean, it was just. This is my just, take on it. I, I'm no, not no, saying I know it's that. bad. I, I, I don't, I, oh no, no, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to 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 add, put that filter over it because I didn't think about it that way. I think it's just that in the in the in the past few weeks, I've been reading a lot of books. Some of the stuff we're going to talk about later. That sort of is just completely other kinds of books, not superhero books, uh, personal stories, and, and uh, just other kinds of things. And I think that's more where my mindset has been at. So t- for this is like, this is a really good DC superhero comic. Right. Uh, you know, but it's not, it, it's, it's you know, which, it, it's, it's not bad at all. That's what most people in new reading superhero comics are looking for. Just like whatever my particular, you know... Like the stuff that I've been liking lately is not like this. So. Oh, I see. So you're saying you're better than this? No, don't. <laughs> Kidding. No, that's not what no, I, said I know. At all. I know. No, I know what you mean. I mean, it's 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 it it, it very much is. I mean, it's it's green. It's it's it, honestly. I mean, Green Lantern, the 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 return of Hal Jordan, everybody says was great and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I almost like I'm more excited about this than I was about that. Here's here's the thing though. Like, how come this has to be the big deal? How come Green Lantern can't be this good? All the time. That's, well, listen, no, I think this. I think this is going to spit. This is going into Green Lantern. This, this leads, there's, there's no Sinestro book. This is this is going to lead through the Green Lantern books. All right. This, I thought there was going to be a Sinestro core book. Am I wrong? Or was that just so this? this? Is this is a special? It just continues in Green Lantern forty twenty one. That's good. I thought there was going to be a new title. Oh no, 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 no. no. But but I do have your point. Like, why did this have to be a special? Why couldn't this just be be an issue of Green Lantern? Yeah. Although it is it is thick. It, it's forty eight. I know, or, but so then yeah. make it two issues. Yeah. I mean, that last Green Lantern arc was like. Two issues too long. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, how do you feel I mean, about Kyle turning evil? I, I, I don't like it because I like the character, but I like it because that's good. I'm supposed to not. You know what I mean? Did, yeah. I liked how I liked how it went to his old original costume. I thought that was a nice. Thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it basically it affected me. You, you know, in the yeah. sense that I really like that character, and so I don't want that to happen. In the same way that people really like Bart, and they didn't want him to die. Right, you know, of, of course I don't like it. I, it's a great character, and they're gonna they're gonna wreck him. He's dead, by the way. Who, Kyle? He's not making it through this. DC's cleaning oh. house. You don't think so? Think about it. They're killing no, off he... all the clones and all the extra copies of everybody. You know, Bart goes down. Superboy goes down. You know, the Kyle. There's too many Green Lanterns in town. We got to thin it out. J- Jason Todd. Jason Todd, who's still alive. Well, Connor, what do you think? and they're doing with Donna Troy and uh, traveling through the multiverse and there's going to be a mul- Jason Todd, Kyle Rayner, Donna Troy love triangle for further down the road so this, he's got their, their plans for him unless they're completely lying about everything mm-hmm. well they, they could be lying about everything I mean they look what they did with the Flash I they, mean, they, solic- they solicited Flash 14, 15, 16, although that's, you know? that's I mean they, they just had Dan DiDio explain that Phil Jimenez teaser, teaser image and he went through all the characters and explained what they all, what it all meant and he said that that's what was the oh, yeah. line for just for uh, Kyle and Jason Todd and Donna Troy so that's cool I like that though but it doesn't mean that he can't die at the end of it I mean I could oh, I mean I could see I could see it going both ways I mean I hope they don't kill him because I like the character so mm-hmm. I don't know anyway uh, but it, it was just awesome it was very very cool see the thing is uh, I don't want to know I want to know I don't want to know that he's going to survive it though you know what right. I mean yeah you want to you want to have it be questionable yeah. 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 So. Well, the, you know the, 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 the new strategy is to is to mis- disinformation, so he may not survive it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I did like about this a lot is that I mean, a you guys both know that like the art was spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. He really like brought it, and I think that one of the reasons that you can't do this in a monthly book is I think that my guess is he spent extra time with this. You know what I mean? Like really oh, yeah, totally. making yeah, every cultivating page. It, yeah. You know, yeah. just just really good. Uh, the other thing I thought was that you can pick this up. Anybody can pick this up, and everything was really well explained and not in a tiring, expository way. Uh, This is a fantastic jumping on point if you were just like, what's going on? You know, all the history's there, all the explanations. It's just, you know, good place to start. Well, just really quickly to explain to people what happened, Sinestro is, you know, the main Hal Jordan villain. He's the fallen Green Lantern who's evil. He's got his own evil yellow Green Lantern ring, and uh, he... He decides enough is enough and forms his own Green Lantern. I'm not Green Sinestro Corps, and uh, to fight the Green Lanterns. And it, it's the most. It's a, he basically takes the most badass guys in the universe who are on cosmic level, puts them together. He takes an Anti Monitor and and Superboy Prime and and uh, Cyborg Superman and, and turns Kyle Rayner evil with by infecting with the Parallax Alien. And uh, 
Sinestro, Kyle Rayner, Superboy Prime, Cyborg Superman, and Anti-Monitor is about as formidable team as you could possibly imagine villains being. So that's, that was one of the great things about it was it made it, they, you know, at the end you were like, holy shit, that's, that's yeah. bad. Talk, talk, about, talk, about, talk about raising the stakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's all and and the, the Sinestro cores are all based on fear, like the yellow you know ability to instill. fear. I really like that yeah. theme. I think that yeah. one of the, I think one of the things that that I give John's credit for is that he's really he's been really good in this stuff and taking those themes and just and just pounding the hell out of them. Like this is the idea. It's 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 fear versus you know order, willpower, and and willpower. yeah, willpower, and and just like the overall concepts of this are so clear. That it makes for a very nice sort of simple story underneath everything that's going on, but but he does it in a way that's not. He, he, he I agree that he pounds the the theme through, but he not in a way that's obvious, like like Jeff, what Jeff Loeb's doing with the Fallen Sunlight, right? You know, exactly. Whereas it's, you know, like whereas it's it's you know like a billboard saying what the theme is. You know, like it's it's done elegantly. So so I'm thinking that Van Skyver, I you know he should be pretty up there as far as sup- the pantheon of superhero artists goes. Like I can't think of a guy who's sort of more ably filling sort of the spot that like a George Perez was filling. He needs you know, to put out more work. work. Yeah, exactly. yeah, I guess that's yeah. it. I agree with that. I mean, like, what was the thing he did before this? Green Lantern, wasn't it? What two years ago? Oh, I don't know. I might hit, get him mixed yeah. up with uh, Ivan Reese as well. Yeah, very similar styles. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. Ivan Reese on, on Green Lantern currently? Uh, I think he's a regular artist, and then Daniel yeah. Acuna was the fill-in guy. Yeah, Vince yeah. hasn't done at least anything I've read in a while. He's yeah. slower. It's um, good though, but yeah, he needs to put out more. So. I love the uh, Green Lanterns hanging out scenes, like when they're in the cafeteria. I love, <laughs> that's something they've, they've put into the, this book where they, you know, you see them back at back at home base. It's just sort of like all the politics in the cafeteria. It's kind of like high school where the yeah, yeah the table it, that hates Hal Jordan, and there's you know the table that likes him, and then there's the refugees and. I mean, if you're a Green Lantern fan, this is a really good time because I think between you know the Return of Hal Jordan and then the, the Green Lantern core book that's been going on, and then now this series, I mean, this is they're, they're really doing a lot with with um, with the, the Green Lantern character and that Green Lantern wor- like kind of sub universe world. Um, so if you're a big GL fan, this is like you know, bone, you know like you're just you're sitting pretty. So are you guys going to continue through this story? It goes through not just Green Lantern but also the Green Lantern core book, which I don't think any of us buy. Yeah, no, I, I'm in. I'm in. Probably. <laughs> you, you know, like, I'm going to read the next one. Uh, you know, a lot of stories start off really – comics have this habit of starting off really good and then, you know, like a big buildup and then it kind of sucks. But uh, I have been surprised lately, and I think DC has been uh, kicking butt in these kind of things. So, sure. But you yeah. got to earn my love. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you wanted to keep up with it, where could you go to pick, keep up with it? Um, well, you could go to uh, a couple of comic shops in New York City, and they're our new sponsor, Jim Hanley's Universe, uh, which is one of America's biggest, best, and most progressive comic book stores. Uh, the Universe offers the best selection of comic titles and related merchandise. From mainstream to manga and minis, Jim Hanley's Universe has it all. If you're in New York City, you can come visit them uh, where art and literature meet. Uh, they've got a couple of stores. One is right in Midtown, uh, the, across from the Empire State Building, and and um, then the other is on Staten Island at 325 New Dorp Lane. Um, and you can go to their website at www.jhuniverse.com. Um, and you could also go and friend them on MySpace, which is myspace.com slash Jim Hanley's Universe. And if you go into the store and, and it's because we said something, you should say, hey, iFanboy sent me here. Yeah, we 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 love the Jim Hanleys. Yes, so. they've been very good to us, as you've seen. They, they we we shoot a lot there. <laughs> so um, so okay, cool. So Connor, um, yeah. how how was your stack of books this week? Um, well, after Sinestro, everything was kind of middling. Um, there's the Brew Baker trifecta this week of Criminal number uh, seven, Iron Fist number six, and Daredevil number ninety eight. And now, do, do they try to make them all come out in the same week and just kill me? I don't that, think just, they do that. that happens a lot. I remember all of Vaughn's yeah. books used to come out in the same week, and that happens with Bendis a lot, too. Bendis a lot, yeah. But when you write that many books, it's kind of hard not to. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, but I don't know if they do or not, because that, that's, I would think that's stupid, because you don't, wanna, you, you don't want to have like all the Ultimate books come out in the same week, you know? Yeah. Yeah, agreed. But um, I think these were, these were done to varying degrees of quality. Uh, I thought quite a, interesting. Quite easily, the best one was Criminal Number Seven. Um, Iron Fist, I thought was the was by and far the the least enjoyable book of the run. And Daredevil, I'm trying to decide if um, 
it's just if I'm starting to get bored with it or not. I can't figure it out. It's just not wowing me like it used to. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Old words. I, I know. So you're, you're, a hate, you're hating on the Brubaker books. No, not at all. Not at all. I just, I'm, no, I, you're hating. I'm you're hating. I hear it in your voice. I hear it in your voice. I think um, Criminal is, is continuing to be one, one of the best books on the, on the, on the market. Um, and it's, it's, it's the simple crime story, and it's, and it's great. It's, the characterizations are awesome. The, the Sean Phillips art is, is, is just incredible, and, and uh, I, I love this book. I, let me ask you a question. From the covers to, to everything in it. Who, who's the letterer on this book? Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, no. On Criminal? Yeah. I think Phillips. It's not, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I was trying to figure out if it was Eliopoulos or who it was because it looks a little. No, he's a, Eliopoulos is on Daredevil. Yeah, and and apparently, like all it says is Brubaker and John Phillips, colors by Val Staples. So like, you know, Phillips is doing the work here. Yeah, yeah, and it's pretty amazing, which probably explains the little hiatus they had. Um, I really dug this, and one of the things that I'm reading through it that I'm noticing is that. Uh, he does conversations. There's, a lot of this book is just talking heads, really. You've got this thing. I'm noticing how he sets it up is that he'll have pages just full of panels, and each panel is a different face, which is saying a different part of the conversation and back and forth. And it has this really it has a sort of a different flow to it than like how a Bendis conversation goes, where he has all these interlapping word balloons and stuff. Um, it's just something to think yeah, about. I, is look at the craft of how he does a page. Yeah, I notice that now that you say that. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, uh, it gives it a pacing. Um, that's consistent the whole book through, and it feels like a movie because that's how a movie works. Oh yeah, I love the. Um, did you guys read? Do you guys read the backup stuff at all? Yeah, yes, but not right away. Usually, Steve, Stephen Grant, huh? Well, I'm not. I don't mean that. I meant the um, little the note that Brubaker writes at the end of the book. Oh yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. saying how Sean Phillips hates to draw cars. Yeah, he's really good at it. And build- yeah, no, that, that, that car looked great. Cars and buildings, and I was like, rough, rough issue. <laughs> rough for a guy who draws realistic comedy. Well, this <laughs> was a problem. fantastic car chase. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah that's uh, what I mean. The opening car chase was great. Yeah. I mean, this was this was a great... This felt like a 70s movie. Yeah. yeah, really, yeah it was great. Steve McQueen should be playing this guy, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And um, and we had you know the continuing development of this little universe. We see Leo didn't die in the last story arc. He's just in prison. That's, or must, um, must this took place before? No, because I, I, I don't think he'd ever been in jail. I think the whole thing was that he always ran. He never got oh, that's caught. Right, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. And they mentioned that he that he that he got shot a couple times, but you know, like they mentioned it, they referred to it. So this right. take so this takes place after the last arc, which is which you know for me as a continuity nut, I love that shit. But um, yeah, I thought I mean I thought this was great. I mean I thought the criminal was was top of top of its game, continuing. So <clears throat> so um, uh, Daredevil. Yeah, uh, I loved this. I thought it was great. I mean, I maybe I mean I could I as soon as you said it, Connor, that you were kind of getting kind of tired of it. That that was I was like, oh yeah, I could see that. But like from him jumping out of the cop car, which how did he kick open kick off a car door? He's wicked strong. Well, look, I, when I stand bored with it, I don't mean at all to imply the art because the art is fantastic. Yeah. So let's not talk about the art. It's- oh no, no, yeah, no. I thought, yeah, the, I mean, the art is fantastic, but I think, but it, even the story. I mean, the idea, like the I, him running to to save the the um what are, what's her face the the wife and mm-hmm. that that one the one panel where he's kind of quickly thinking about all of his loves, you know, yeah, and, like what happens to them from the, from the cliffhanger know. from last month. There wasn't much of a payoff. Um, yeah, and I think that. This the problem he's having the same problem he had in the last arc, which is it's probably one or two issues too long. Yeah, I can see that. It feels like a lot of filler. I did get to the beginning of this. And I opened it up and it was like part four or five, and I was like, "Oh, come on!" Right. Well, if you look at it, I mean, like we're on issue ninety-eight, part five is ninety-nine, and then they're gonna have the big hundredth issue. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah. That's, you know, but it looks that sometimes you probably do have to space it like that. But it looks like it looks like ultimately this whole gladiator thing was a distraction towards the bigger play, which is kind of like a resetting of the status quo and basically making Hell's Kitchen a big crime area again. By the way, I just uh, which I thought was which I thought was the important I thought was the subtle important thing. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at this issue and I'm looking at how he draws the city, and I I really appreciated this time. Like he like he's got Hell's Kitchen down. I think after listening to. Uh, the Iran Comics guys did a show on Frank Miller, and they said something about how Frank Miller would go out on the rooftops of Hell's Kitchen and like how he set that up. I'm looking at the city in the background of this book, and it's such a great part of the book that you don't even notice because you're kind of not supposed to. But like the water towers and the – it just looks like that area of the city, and it looks 
dirty and filthy, even though now yuppies live there. Right. Yeah. Well. Um, right. So I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see what what it's going to go. I mean, that one page where they're t- with the drug dealers talking about the the stuff and making the deliveries all over the kitchen, and then you know, and then the big guy saying, "I know the boss is there," and you know, what Murdoch don't know that this is just the beginning. I mean, it sounds like it's going to be you know, this is setting up for the next you know bunch of arcs, which I think is going to be good. So you know. Sure, that's good, but the problem is in getting there. Getting there is the problem. It's, it's right. Like, yeah, you know. I understand. So what about um? So what about Iron Fist, which is the the end of book one, as they as they refer to it? Well, I stand yeah. in contrast with Connor. Uh, okay. I really enjoyed this issue. Yeah. I had a lot of fun with it. I was reading this, and all I could think of was like, this to me feels like it would be a, fun, a really fun kung fu action movie. Yeah, uh, it was a huge fight, you know, and like you know the the standoff, and it, you know at the end it sort of fizzled away because you know the the fight didn't happen but now it set it up for a bigger a bigger fight that's going to happen back in Kunlun um to me I, I really enjoyed it like it was just a big kung fu fight there was bits of it that were cheesy i can absolutely you know understand that i thought some of the heroes for hire stuff was a little silly um you know cuz it was just a little silly um, yeah. just felt like it was like, let's act like Tarantino for a couple of minutes. And then, of course, Tarantino was just acting like the movies that Heroes Fire was based on in the first place. So who knows how that works? Um, I, I don't know. I had a lot of fun. But one of the one of the deals that I really, really – this – David Aja. He's fantastic. He's awesome. Yep. Um, I mean, he's really, really – the 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 way that he draws the two Iron Fists, they both have different type bodies. They both have – you know they have a different bearing on them. They're not just superhero dudes. Um, that was really impressive to me. Like how Danny Rand is much more lithe and slim. Yep. Uh, and, and, I don't know. Well, he's younger, but no, yeah, but, so. it, but yeah, no, no. no, no but I, I, I just draw the same body type on all the heroes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can definitely tell the difference between the two guys, even though they're wearing practically the same clothes. Right. Whereas yeah, Orson's yeah, like a bruiser. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Uh, I really um, liked that. Another case of uh, two artists. They're they're doing their they're doing the flashbacks with the classic artists. We get um, Russ Heath this time around. Yeah, well, they've been doing that the um, whole time. Right. Yeah. No. But I think I mean again on the theme we were talking about earlier about how using multiple artists. I think this is a, a good way to do it where you have different you know sections done you know which is kind of what, which has been done by Captain America before. Um, so yeah. So if coming good. out of this, David Aja is not like one of the big names. Like I'll be surprised. Well, I think he's. I mean, I, I mean, I, when you say come as one of the big names, I think he'll be one of the big names in the same way that like Alex Maleev is now and stuff like that, where he, you know, is definitely respected and definitely big, but not like, yeah, um, you know, he's not going to be, he's not going to be on 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 Batman or Superman or X. You're saying in a, in a world yeah. where Michael Turner is considered to be the big money maker, uh, yeah, it's not yeah. going to be so much. Yeah, yeah. I, I really enjoyed this. I, I had fun with this issue. Yeah. So, Connor, you didn't really like it that much? Uh, my problem with it is the same problem I've had for the whole series. Is, is I don't really care about all the mystical kung fu stuff. All the different yeah. orders and the different people. Are. Yeah, you got to really buy into that if you're going to read the book. See, for me, that stuff's fun. I mean, that's just like kung fu movie stuff. I had a lot of fun with the, you know, I have the best kung fu, and that's what, that's what a kung fu movie is. So, I mean, if you're not into that, then you're not going to be into it, but... It's less that, more the backstory between all these different people. I don't care about all these different. uh, You just want to, you just want to see Danny Rand kick ass, or? Yeah, I like him better as a superhero. You know, I want to like street level fighting guy. Yeah. Yeah. The rest of the stuff, but I'll buy it as long as David Aja draws it. So. Whatever. There you go. Cool. Well, I like that part. So there. All right. So, um, and if you get if you after reading Iron Fist, you're in the mood for a kung fu movie, you could always head over to Netflix.com and rent one. How about that? So um, if you go to www.netflix.com slash iFanboy, you can sign up for Netflix if you haven't yet, um, where they've got over 75,000 titles, no late fees, free shipping. It's the thing where you go online, you pick the movies you want, and they'll mail them to you. You mail them back after you watch them. Um, keep them for as long as you want. It's fantastic. Um, and they got the rate plan starting from four ninety nine and up, and uh, you get a two-free-week trial when you go to www.netflix.com slash iFanboy. So... Um, so what else we got there? Uh, the last this book week. I wanted to talk about this week uh, is one that neither of you guys are reading, um, but uh, it was appropriate because we did a show about it. Um, uh, the Boys number eight came out this week as well, um, and for me, uh, this has been this has been the most sort of well written uh, issue of the bunch, and it's the first time that I've seen any of that uh, heart that we've been talking about that a lot of his other stuff has had. Um, basically. The storyline is going on that there was a superhero um, 
I can't even remember if he was killed or not. There was a boy who was killed, and they're trying to see if a superhero was implicated in it, but the boy who was killed was gay, and the superhero who may have been implicated was also gay. And there's this conversation that goes on about how Butcher, uh, you know, who's the, who's the main badass character in it, like, at the beginning, he's, he's using a bunch of, uh, we'll say, derogative terms. Uh, right. Poof. Uh, bender such and such um and then huey's like you don't have to talk like that but then as it goes on it turns out that that huey's actually uncomfortable around gay people where butcher's not and so they go on and, and they have this conversation about what butcher's really like and it has to do with the idea behind the words as opposed to um as opposed to what you actually mean or how you actually feel about somebody and it you know it's it's one point of view on that whole thing and it's not necessarily the correct one but at least it was like a little it, it was an exploration of it, and it was just it, it had some different sides to it, and it, it makes you think, and, and it was enjoyable. And the, the thing about this issue was there wasn't really anything in it that was like, um, you know, the, there was nothing over the top violency for shock value in it. There wasn't that didn't happen in this one. It was a lot of talking and character def- exploration and things like that, uh, which I enjoyed. Uh, and I also think that um, that the Robertson pencils in this one. Are really tight, and uh, he's you know you can tell he's one of those things where we talk about you can tell people love love working on something, and he does a lot. Uh, there's a cool. there's a few typos. <laughs> <laughs> nice. The folks, so, the folks um, over at Dynamite, uh, a couple of typos. I mean, they're probably rushing to get them out. Like that. I'm, not, I'm not surprised. Um, but so if, you, if you're reading The Boys and if you haven't seen it yet, um, as Josh mentioned, if you head over to iFanboy.com or go to revision3.com slash iFanboy, you can see last week's episode of iFanboy, iFanboy, the video podcast, which featured interviews with Derek Robertson and Garth Ennis talking about The Boys as well as their other work. So, um, uh, yeah. And for those curious, Derek Robertson is not me. I am not Derek Robertson. <laughs> so, uh, we are two different people. Although we've never been in the same room at the same time. That's true. You weren't hmm. at that interview for some strange. Yeah, I was busy at that night. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, Derek Thompson's so, so, like a big, thick mustache. <laughs> uh, Ultimate X Men '83 um, was plumbing the depths of of art. I thought it was it was I, it was painful. Woohoo! I dropped it. I didn't pick it up. It, it it was the story was fine the story was okay yeah the story just, the problem is the art is, is totally take, distracting from the story that's the, that's when you get you can have passable art that doesn't necessarily prevent you from enjoying the story but this is the kind of art that took took completely out of the story because it was you look at some of the panels and go what the hell is, am I looking at what upsets me is that like I don't know this Pascal Alex who's the penciler um, I don't know if he's trying to mimic the art from the last arc that we loved, and I forget that artist's name, and I really should remember it. Um, the, remember the last story arc where we're like, the art is fantastic, yeah. remember? Ben something. Yeah, yeah Oliver, yeah, Oliver. Oliver, Oliver yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know if they, they, they said, do that, and he's trying to mimic it. Or... I don't know. I just... I just Because it, uh... it, it, seemed, it seemed like it seemed like related to it. But um, it's just not good. I mean, there was one panel when Rogue like grabs uh, Iceman in the beginning, and like the 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 the, the facial expression on Rogue, I was like, oh my god. Yeah, it was. I don't know. It was. It was not it's good. just bad. I uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's detracting from the story. I also wanted to mention quickly that the Teen Titans had a similar problem with the art. Um, it's almost the same kind of badness. The same facial expressions are all strange, and the faces look flat and all weirdly shaped and. Is bad. I also wanted to mention that I've dropped uh, Thunderbolts. I'm done. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. I dropped that two issues back. Did you Did you buy this week's issue? Yeah. Upon reading was it, it went, was it was it Speedball banging his head into the wall that did it for you, or it was just it was just all boring and stupid, and I don't care yeah. about the story anymore or the characters, and I, it's not going anywhere. It seems like, and I just don't care anymore. Wow. <laughs> this is a week, a big week of yeah. of. Of I just, dropping and buying I just and liking and hating, been enjoying Ultimate X Men. Like it wasn't even that it was bad. I just wasn't. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Th- I don't have nothing for the X Men. Yeah. Well. Yeah, it's yeah. been fun without the art, but but that's I can see that happening. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Cool. So, so normally, normally about this time we go through into the do the emails and the voicemails, but we decided to change things up, right, Connor? Yes, I, I, I answered for him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we always say we're going to talk about trades on the podcast, and then, then time constraints usually has us cut the trades to talk out. So we decided to forego emails and voicemails this this week and just do trade talk. Uh, the emails and voicemails will be back next week. So we've got a whole bunch of yeah. trades we're going to talk about now. 
Cool, cool. So um, let's hit, let's dive right in. Yes, Josh, you 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 found a new love, haven't you? Yeah, I think my favorite new book of all time it might be Fear Agent. All right, that's wow. that's probably a bit strong. <laughs> did you pick uh, and this? Did you pick up the the first issue from Dark Horse, or this is just off the reading the trades? No, this is actually I had picked up the first issue from the Dark Horse thing after hearing uh, you talk about it and hearing um, somebody else talk about it. Maybe it was some other podcast. Um, and I actually had been interested in it, but I didn't know where a good jumping on point. And I heard that that first Dark Horse one was a good one because it's like a flashback. Um, and I read it, and it had uh, Tony Moore on it, which is always. Tony Moore is very quickly turning into one of my favorite artists. Like he, he does he does great books. He's just consistently hooking up with guys who are doing fantastic creator owned books. I don't know how he does that. Um, but then after that, I, I happened to be in a hotel room in North Carolina with uh, a copy of the first trade um, via you guys, and yeah. um, I, I read through that, uh, and it's just it was just so much fun. It's just like this constant run and gun danger. You know, big robots and brain gooey aliens, and you know, it was fun. It was. Well, it's a big fifties. It's a big fifties sci-fi story on steroids. Well, that's the know. thing is, that it's it's re- and it's really really possible to do that badly and and boringly, but he doesn't, and I don't know what that. That was. Well, Rick, it's, Rick, it's Rick Remender on 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 the writing. Right, and and I, I I don't. I don't know what the X factor is that he puts into it, but I really like. I honestly, I think to read that pitch, I, w- I don't think I would have liked it, um, but I did. Right, and it's not. And it's not like you never knew it existed. I mean, like I, I think. That, I mean, I remember Connor read it like a year. I've ago. had this trade for a while. Yeah, like a year. Yeah, yeah. You were early to the game on it, and 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 honestly, and like, and not that I dismissed it or I wasn't into it or you know it didn't like the pitch or whatever. It's just I just never got it. And then I borrowed Connor's uh, trade after picking after my you know summer of trying new books, and, I, and Connor's like, oh, I have the first trade from Image on that. And I said, oh, cool, let me check it out. And I read it too, and and I was hooked too. I thought it was great. I thought he does that sci-fi kind of big action story kind of cool it was just great it was yeah. re- it's really really good and now now this the series on dark horse is supposed to be more of a kind of war story kind of thing with a little bit of a sci-fi undertone to it but and, and um, it is and i yeah. really liked that and i think having read the two together you don't need the one for the other but the context of it put it what made it a little more interesting yeah um so it was really it's one of those things where like every time they turn the corner some other shit goes wrong yeah. and and that's <laughs> big and it's usually a big bug yeah, yeah. <laughs> they get covered so. in something gross, and he has to be drunk all the time. It's a little bit like it's it's almost you know it's one of those antihero things. Like if you'd write an antihero really well, like the guy who's continually abusing himself and trying not to get involved in stuff, or you know, like Han Solo. It's the Han Solo. It, it, yeah, him or like even Spider Jerusalem or something like that, where he just you know acts like he doesn't care, but. You know, yeah. kind of does. I don't. I'm not even far enough along with it to say I know the characters all that well, but because I've read the first trade and I read that one issue, but I haven't read the second trade. Right. So, yeah, but I, we all I'm love Fury in here. And, and yeah. again, Tony Moore's stuff on that has just been great. So, um, and and then keeping on the Rick Remender theme, um, we all recently discovered Strange Girl. Yes, yeah, we um, we should mention and thank the people on iFanboy, the listeners who sent. Uh, have been plugging Strange Girl, and one of them actually sent us a couple of the trades to read because we hadn't bought them ourselves. Yeah, yeah. So thank you very much. However, I didn't know about that, and I bought the first one. Did you? Nice. Yes, I bought the first one. I didn't know that you were getting it. Oh, Darren <laughs> sent us the first one. But yeah. then Darren sent me yeah. the second one. So All right, there you go. <laughs> okay, cool. Cool. So, um, so I just finished reading reading this in this past week, actually, the first and the second one, because you you guys had read it first, and actually, I, I think Josh. Summarily dismissed it, telling me that I shouldn't even bother because I won't like it. I really didn't um, think you would, and I fucking loved it. Okay, I it but I, listen though, this I want this to be clear. I said that after reading the first trade, okay. and I didn't love the first trade. I didn't really like it that much, and I wasn't going to keep reading it. And had had we not had the second one sent to us, uh, this conversation would be over. <laughs> um, <laughs> True, but um, that so being Rick- said, when I got the second one, I really enjoyed it a lot more. Yeah. So, so to give people the background who might not know about it, Rick Remender on on writing, and then who's on pencils? I forget the guy's name. Uh, Eric, um, Eric 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 Newman Gwyn. Yeah, N G U that that one that uh, name. Um, but yeah, it, and the the concept is is that the in the first issue the rapture haps, happens, which for those of you who aren't familiar with the rapture, it's the idea that God 
turns to Earth and says, "Okay, everybody who's you know worthy, come up to heaven, and and we're gonna abandon Earth to to hell." And so that happens, and one girl. So that happens. Get, so that happened, and so one girl watched her whole family uh, ascend to heaven, and she gets stuck on Earth. And then it flash forwards to ten years later, where she's a slave of a demon in San Francisco as a bartender, and um, she gets wind of the fact that there might be a portal to get into heaven. So she and her little demon buddy jump in a you know, steal a car and escape San Francisco and go to find it. And while and, while living with said demon, she's sort of a, a favored pet, as it were, and and she learned a lot of magic and stuff. So that's like her thing. So she's got some powers and stuff like that, and shit goes down, and it's just it's just it's is this post not even apocalyptic post rapture world filled with you know the demons of hell and humans who didn't get accepted to heaven just trying to get by and survive and and it's just I I I I loved it it was great you know and and you know it was just it was a lot of fun to read and something not. I mean, I don't even like you know. We talked we talked a lot about Rick Remender doing genre work and stuff like that, and and I don't even know what genre this fits into. You know, I mean, fantasy, maybe. I mean, I don't even know, but like, and you know, I, and generally not being very religious, I don't. Really, I'm not really reading into a lot of the possible commentary on on Christianity or Catholicism or whatever. So I, you know, like, I'm just like, okay, cool, the rapture happened. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm with it. I'm rolling with it. I think that was and, one of the reasons that I didn't like the first one so much was that there was a lot of. I felt like there was a lot of commentary. I thought it was like a running commentary on how the main character, re the author, felt about Christianity. I think. Uh, I just my problem with the first one was I, I liked the story. I didn't. The art's not really my thing. Uh, it just doesn't connect to me for some reason, um, which is hard. So it's hard to get into the story when the art doesn't connect to you. But also, little demon buddy, I just had enough of. Oh, I loved him. By the end of the second book, when he, I won't. Well, I don't want to spoil it. But by the second book, I was just, I was, I was all, I was all about him. I thought he was great. I just loved his. I loved his dialogue. I loved everything about him. Yeah, I hate the, it. Des- I hate the character design a little bit. The two big horns coming out of his eyes were kind of like a, right above his eyes were kind of distraction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can see what you're saying about the art. The art is a very kind of sketchy animation style. He's a, he's a, he's a video game artist. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so the, I can see why the art being a bit of a challenge. But um, I don't know. I, it, it wasn't that much for me. It's very. Yeah, but I enjoyed art. the overall story, though. So that was good. And you haven't yeah. read the second one yet, right? No, I have it here. I have to read it. Okay. Yeah. So it's 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 good. I'll be curious what you think, Connor, of the demon guy at the end of that. I mean, basically, I was right with Connor uh, at the end of the first trade, um, and then yeah. the second trade, I I don't know, I came around somehow. I really I really enjoyed it a lot more. I don't know why. Yeah. Maybe it's even in contrast to having read Fear Agent in between them. Like I I don't know if I'm just impressed by the fact that he did two such disparate styles. Right. You know what I mean, like, and sometimes that impresses me more and makes me like something. I don't I don't really know. I see in the second trade, there's two other artists on it. Yeah, there's uh, there's a um, after they fit, after yeah. they finish the main arc, there's a there's another story and then there's a backup or some sort of yeah. yeah. So the, it's Jerome the, 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 and Harper Jaden. Yeah, they, they they do the 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 stuff towards the end of the book. So yeah, so cool. So Strange Girl was very good. Um, and Strange Girl it was published by Image Comics. In case you wanted to go find that and check it out. And so there, another book that was um, been gotten a lot of discussion, I think, on the forums and on the site over the past couple of months that um, people were yelling at us saying that we should be reading was um, Hellboy by Mike Mignola. Yes, um, we got a lot of st- a lot of shit for for that for not having read. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, in in defense of it, I've read Hellboy over time. I've just never collected, or yes. I've never been a you know. Because the thing is, it's had sporadic s- schedules. You know, like it's come and gone, come and gone, all that kind of stuff. But I saw the movie in the theater when it came out, and um, I've always kind of kept it in you know the corner of my mind. Um, but I've never really kind of dedicated toward it. So um, I read Hellboy when, it, when the first minis came out back, you know, way back. I, I have them somewhere, and I remember that. We we got Hellboy Seed of Destruction here, which is what we're talking about for Mike Magnolia. And uh, well, that's what you guys read. I, I I didn't actually read that one recently. I read the um, the Hand of Doom. Right. Or, um, yeah. So anyway, and, on. and John Bernal wrote this one. But um, I read. I remember now upon rereading this, I remember reading this when it first came out in trade. Um, so yeah. I have read them. I just haven't read them recently, and 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 I don't know why. Because re- on rereading this, I remember how much I enjoyed it, and I should probably start picking them the uh, trades up again. Yeah, and and I picked up a. Um, I actually I borrowed a, a trade of BPRD, and uh, my 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 th- wondering about Guy Davis's art whether I'd like it was true, and that I really like it a lot. So I mean, the, the Hellboy universe has grown to a nice little universe where there's a lot of stuff in there, and if you're into kind of you know 
um, mythology and and um, you know because it's it's seeped in mythology. Every story has got some connection to some real world thing that that has happened or has gone on throughout history in terms of um, not only mythology but the occult and stuff like that. Um, but with that slightly, I don't know how to even describe it. Slightly um, Hellboyish uh, factor to it, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Josh, what did you think? Well, of you that? know, like I had I had been the one who had said. I don't know. I'm just not interested in it because it was. I was like, I don't want to read a horror book or whatever. And I didn't love the movie. I didn't think it was bad. It just didn't care for whatever reason. Um, but I was reading the first book, and this is like I kept getting the um, the caveat from people that would say, "Well, the, you know, the first book's all right, but you know, it's not really good." After I, I can love that first book. Yeah. I kept coming in. <laughs> nice. I was coming into work, and I'm looking at Connor. I go, "This is great." <laughs> have you have you read this? You know, and it's funny because we were saying because John Byrne was hired to do the script on that first one, uh, that it was a bit overwritten. And I, I mean, maybe I could see, but I didn't mind it. I, yeah, no, I, it was it's real, it's well done, it's well written. It was really well done. The art is is stunning. I mean, like it's just it's such a unique style. It doesn't look like anything else. And and I I just found myself I really I enjoyed reading that first book more than I enjoyed the movie by far. Yeah. Um, Interesting. He's the modern master. Yeah. Who, Mignola? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I think he, he's really, really good. I've enjoyed his art. I remember when he was back at Marvel in the early 90s before he broke off and started doing Hellboy full-time. And I remember reading some of the stuff he did at Marvel and even some of the stuff he did at DC. And I always, I was, I was always intrigued by his art style. Mm-hmm. And, I think, and I think the general superhero kind of world is not the best place for it, and I think something like what he's doing with Hellboy is. I don't know. He did um, a fantastic Cosmic Odyssey miniseries with, with all the big, the big DC guns fighting Darkseid, and it was fantastic. It was perfect for the, yeah. the new gods, you know, like Darkseid. Yeah, I could see that. I could see, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I don't know. I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan, but I'm a casual fan. Uh, I, yeah. I spent I, the whole Heroes Con looking for more trades of it, and there weren't any. Well, too bad yeah, it was been published by Marvel. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> so in in San Diego, I'm gonna definitely look for some sort of some good deals on some Hellboy trades from the past. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm back yeah. in it now after having read the, this. I'm like, oh yeah, I used to really like this. I'm gonna start buying it. Yeah. Again. It was really good. Yeah. So um, so success on the from the Hellboy thing. So they, they, they pay attention. Yeah. So strange. So and actually, Hellboy. There you go. The, the fans have spoken. And if you wanted to pick up any of those, um, you can go to comichole.com. And that's where you can find um, discounted comics and trades and that sort of thing. Um, and they got Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, Image, and they're 40% off. They have a great selection of trades. Um, so if you go to comichole.com, you can check them out. And um, if you want to check out Hellboy, go for it. So um, It's time for I, more personal works, I think. Yeah, I think the yeah as we as we wrap this up, um, there's one book that um, I just recently finished a mere couple of days ago. And I know Josh finished a couple of weeks ago. I don't think, Connor, you had a chance to read yeah, it yet. It hasn't but, made its way to me yet. Um, but uh, it's called Fun Home by um, was it Allison Bechdel? Yep, that's it. Yep, I don't have it handy and right in front of me. Um, this was um, a little off the beaten path. This was a um, Times uh, Book of the Year, I believe it was. Um, like overall, not even just graphic novel, just like Book of the Year. Mm-hmm. New York um, Times, and it's yeah, no, not, not Time Magazine. Oh, Time. I, I would check that fact, but I'm pretty sure. Well, there's a quote from Time on the cover, but it doesn't say it's his national bestseller. Yeah, but um. Uh, it's a personal um, graphic novel story about kind of growing up and coming of age and dealing with um, family kind of trauma. I guess it's dubbed a family tragic comic. Yeah, that's a, that's pretty appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, it's funny because right before I, I have a little story. Right before I was about to read this book, um, I ended up with a car in a car with somebody uh, who had been doing some business with my wife. And um, she said, I heard you know about comics. I said, yes. She goes, have you read Fun Home? I said, well, it's actually on my night table. I'm about to read it. She goes, I was her roommate in college. And then she proceeded to tell me the whole story of the book right before I read it. And I was nice. like, oh, thank you. Um, but it, you know what? It, it didn't ruin it because it's not that type of story. Everything sort of – they say what the deal is in the very beginning. Um, it's hard to explain because it's almost like it's not really a narrative as much as it is as a, a personal – examination of this uh of the author's relationship with her father right. and how that related to them both growing up and, and their sexuality and um really well done but it's like not something that can be explained easily yeah i mean i mean the the, the bullet points are is that um is the author is a lesbian 
and um, the book start the books um, is the 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 event that the book is all built around is the passing of her father, who she finds out um, uh, things about him in his past that she didn't know about. I don't want to give it all away. Yeah, I think this is this is something that people should go and read. The, um, the cartooning yeah. in this yeah. is is like exemplary. Yeah. Like every like the pages the the cartooning is so strong and so uh, evocative. Like she has a style that is that's her style. It's not anybody else's, but it just it tells the story amazingly. You know who every single character is. The facial expressions say what they need to. All of that passive aggressive stuff that happens in people's eyes. Yeah. Um, I I mean yeah, it, it's it is a masterpiece, and I just pulled it up now, and it was actually it was uh, named uh, Time Magazine's best book of 2006, described as the unlikeliest literary success of 2006, and a masterpiece about two people living in the same house but in different worlds, which I think is, is sums it up uh, completely. Uh, um, one of the other things to keep to keep in mind about it is that um, when they say liter- a literary achievement, like there are there are like parallels and references to Proust in this. Yeah, well, because her father's an English teacher, right. so like, there, it's very steeped in liter- literary it's, tradition. It's not kind of an easy, there. quick read. It's not light, and I don't mean that in a bad way. But it, there's, there's, you know, there's just there's depth to it and weight, and and you know, obviously, if Time Magazine likes it, then <laughs> it probably it must be good then. <laughs> no, but it, it probably wasn't fluffy. Yeah, yeah no, and, and and we're admittedly we're a little late to the to the game. Um and you know uh, because this came out in 2006 and now here we are halfway through 2007. But hey, you know, um, this is when we got there. So when, so it's, <laughs> when do the demons show up? Uh, they do not. Oh. Well, the, the inner demons show up very early yeah, on in the book. They're pretty so. much there the whole time. This is yeah. really one of those great books, though. If you've ever wondered uh, what kind of books you can give to people who would dismiss comics. You know, like yes, it, and it's actually funny you say that because I, I after the day after I finished reading it, I went into work and I, I, I said to a friend of mine who does not read comics is not into this world at all, and I said, hey, I finished a great book and I really I think you should check it out, and she's like, oh, what is it? And so I started explaining to her, and she's like, right, but it's a comic book, and I was like, well, no, it's a graphic novel. I mean, it's told visually through drawings, and I sent her the Amazon link to preview the pages. I'm like, but what you think of a comic book, this is not it. And she was like, "Okay, cool. I'll check it out. I'll give it a shot." So yeah. So I mean, it's this is the kind of thing where you could help promote the visual storytelling method, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not there are no capes, there's no blasto rays, there are no. I mean, it's emotion and and it it's, it gets you. It flies so. against all of the stereotypes of what comics are. Yeah, yeah. but it's comics. It's, pub- it's published by Houghton Mifflin. So in case you want to check that out, so book publisher. <laughs> yes, indeed. So um, all right, cool. So what else we got up? Get the homeless channel from Matt Stilladay from uh, AIT Planet Lair. Matt Stilladay. Uh, um, it's it's he writes and draws it, and it is his first uh, work. And talk about you know cr- on the, in the theme of critical acclaim. I, I recently saw it in Entertainment Weekly. Got an A minus. Really? Uh, yeah. So it's good. It's good on you. That was awesome. Somebody yeah. likes Brian Michael Bendis's early work. <laughs> well, the, so so the the I mean the 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 elevator pitch on the book is that it's a, a book about a girl who sets out to start a television channel dedicated to a reality programming around homeless people, and in an effort to um, to bring awareness of the problem of homelessness in the world. Um, and it's kind of a book with a lot of social commentary and social like uh, feelings of social responsibility. Uh, Matt wrote and did the art, um, and the art like. Josh said um, references Bendis's early work because it's very, it's photo referenced, I believe. Um, yeah, but but look like it's drawn over. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, and I don't mean even I don't even just mean the art, but like I really felt like the style of the art and the dialogue, the way that all that stuff worked together, felt. And I and I don't want to make it sound like I'm dismissing it because I thought it was perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I thought it worked. It worked amazingly well. Yeah. And um, you know, I thought it worked really well. Uh, the thing is, is that you know, it's a, it's a it's his first sh- it's his first book, so it's not without flaws or the, you know, like there are, there are a couple of things that I thought the story moved very rapidly. It was I thought it was um, a little thin. Yeah, where, yeah, I thought it moved very quickly. Where there were some kind of gaps where I would have liked to have seen more. 
um, of what was going on, but I can understand. I understand why it didn't because originally, I'm, uh, originally he was self-publishing this, and then um, AIT Planet Lar put it out. So I could see where that kind of would get in the way of planning the story. It's one thing when you're planning on doing it yourself; another thing when you got you know you know how many pages to work towards mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, so I thought that there was some you know maybe refinement of the story that could have happened. But like you said, I mean, like I thought the art and, and the storytelling was was perfect and was a lot of fun, and I w- really enjoyed reading it. So. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was really good. I thought it was a great first effort. I think, um, you know, I'll definitely look forward to the next thing he puts out. But, you know, overall, I thought it could have had a little more depth to it. But it was, it was good. It was good. You know, the art was great. Um, he's, he's, he's made himself one of his main characters. And, uh, yeah, that was uh, kind of funny. <laughs> uh, but when it was you're, good. When you're, really good, really yeah. good first time effort. Good job. Yeah. So, very cool. I, um, I, I actually, I loved this book. Like oh, I was, great, I was, right? I didn't really know what to expect from it. I loved it. It was one of those things that, every once in a while, I read a book that I think, oh crap, I wish I had done this. And I think this was one of those books because it, it you know, it, again, it just, it, it was a story that didn't have to be told in comic book form, but it was. You know what I mean? Like it would yeah. follow any of the comic book tropes. It wasn't anything like that. I just read through it like, damn, I wish I had done this myself because that's and I don't, you know, again, I don't, I'm not taking away from him, but like sometimes something is is sort of obvious and easy. It doesn't mean it's not good. Right. You know what I mean? It's just it's stories there, and he went and he told it, and, and it's an original story. There's nothing else I can compare it to. Uh, you know, it had snappy dialogue. <laughs> yeah, v- you know, I mean, very much in the theme of Fun Home, where it's not a typical comic book, and it's it's a story being told in the visual storytelling method, um, and you know, it's very current, very like I said, you know, like, like socially aware was the word that I kept on coming up with it, where it's a, almost you know, it's not you know, kind of similar to Strange Girl, and whether you you want to theorize whether Remender is. Get- Giving his views on um, on religion, you wonder if Matt's giving his views on politics and this and you know and so. Um, but it was it was great. I, I thoroughly liked it. So yeah, um, yeah. So check that out. Uh, AIT Planet Lar is the publisher. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. And I think we got one more. Uh, the last book I wanted to talk about was a book that I had picked up in Charlotte um, from Top Shelf Comics. Uh, it's The King by Rich Kozlowski, and I will give credit. I heard about this uh, actually when I was on Around Comics from Tom Caters. Uh, he'd read it. Uh, this was a book that I, I was like finished reading. I read it in one sitting, uh, and I was so excited, like I couldn't wait to tell people about it because I thought it was that good. It was again in the same theme of this is a story that I've never read in comics or anywhere. You know, like it's just a, a unique story. Um, basically, the story is um, in Las Vegas, uh, a guy uh, calling himself the King has shown up and he's playing shows uh, he's playing Elvis shows and he's ostensibly an Elvis impersonator but people say that he looks and sounds exactly like Elvis Presley he always wear but you know like if he had never died but he always wears a, a mask and a helmet and you can't see his face uh, and it's a story of a journalist who was summoned by the king specifically to come do the story um, on him and and the journalist is trying to figure out if he uh, trying to figure out what the story is behind it. Is this guy really Elvis? Is he not Elvis? Is he, you know, what's the story behind it? Um, and and just the idea of the whole thing is that people want to believe that Elvis was alive, and it has to do with faith and all sorts of stuff. It goes deeper than just Elvis. But he, I'm t- as you read this, you want to believe it. Now, whether it's true or not, you find out, you know, what happens, and that's sort of the the grip of the story. Uh, it's all Don't done. Don't say it. I'm not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even. Yeah, because I, to- I totally want to read this. By the way, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm. Yeah. I like. I called. I called my wife. I was like, you have to read this as soon as I get home. Yeah. It was that good. This is one of the best graphic novels I've read in a really long time. The cartooning is. It's very cartoony. It's sort of everything's over exaggerated. I can't think of what to compare it to, but it's it's you know classic sort of cartooning. It's not realistic, um, but it's realistic enough that it tells the story. Uh, it's all done in blue scale. Like like Fun Home was. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, Fun Home's blue scale as well. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's actually a little more. Yeah. It's a. It's a little less. Fun Home's a little more washed out. Uh, this has a little more. It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't matter. But uh, it's a little. Uh, it's so good. <laughs> cool. Excellent. Well, awesome. So that's from Top Shelf. Right? That's from Top Shelf. It's highly recommended. Uh, great story. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. So, um, excellent. So we hope you all enjoyed our little sojourn into the world of trades and graphic novels and stuff like that. We're gonna try to do this more and more as we've we've all got stacks and stacks of books to read to get yep. through. So, um, so yeah. So, um, but I think that about wraps it up for this week. 
Um, so uh, don't forget to head over to ifanboy.com and check out all the discussion there. Um, we're talking about this week's comics as well as other graphic novels and stuff like that. So go to ifanboy.com and see what's going on there. Uh, you, you can email us, contact at ifanboy.com, or leave us a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys which is 326-2697. We're going to have the voicemails and the, and the emails back next week, so, you know, don't fret. Send them in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, then and maybe you've noticed that we do a video show every Wednesday uh, around 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Um, the uh, new video show is posted uh, to go along with your new comics. Uh, this past week, we got to talk to Garth Ennis and Derek Robertson, which was totally fun. And this week coming up, uh, well, the, Wednesday's the 4th of July, isn't it? It is. In the United States, yes. <laughs> no, it's the 4th of July everywhere. Not it is the 4th of July point. everywhere. I, I, it is it's the 5th. I wasn't implying. <laughs> it's a holiday here in America. Here here and in the U.S., you got to celebrate that. Yeah. Um, so. And so we do, sort of. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> You'll see. Yeah. <laughs> it's we a traditional American holiday, I would say. Yes. Yeah, we killed some British people. <laughs> wow. That, what? That what? Weird. what? Who said yeah. that? <laughs> Anyway, yeah. <laughs> that's this week. Um, and in the meantime, you can go to the Frapper map at frapper.com slash ifanboy, F-R-A-P-P-R. You can stick your pin in the map, and you can uh, represent where you're from anywhere in the world. You can go to frapper.com slash ifanboy, or you can go to the link in the upper right-hand corner of ifanboy.com. Yes, and if you um, like to be online... Um, and you want to <laughs> you want to go to the various different websites? You can find us at myspace.com slash ifanboy, comicspace.com slash ifanboy. Go to Facebook, search for ifanboy. You can find us there, verb.com slash ifanboy. Or you can go to Podcast Alley or Podcast Pickle, or if you're um, in iTunes, go on iTunes and give us a vote or a review. And we're also on Dig in our podcasting section, which is very cool. You should go and give us a dig if you can. And finally, if, you li- if you're still online and you're not tired from clicking and all that kind of stuff and you like what we do and you want to see more of it, you can head over to ifanboy.com slash donations and you can donate to us um, uh, if, if you so feel generous. Um, you can and just we got send a lot us of- iPhones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no iPhones. Just send them. Um, <laughs> and uh, if you're a fan of the show, if you're a fan of what's uh, what we do, this summer's going to be a fun summer. We're making our San Diego plans, so um, if you're heading to San Diego, stay tuned. Um, we'll, more information will be forthcoming in the next upcoming couple of weeks. So. Well, I hope so, because it's only three weeks away. Uh, eek! <laughs> Shit! I gotta, we got to get working. Yeah. Oh. So, all right, cool. So, um, so I'm going to go get to work on our San Diego plans. All so right, uh, <laughs> Until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Josh. I'm Connor. And none of us got iPhones. You imagine that, like, in the conference call, like, they all sit around on the video chats, and Modoc's like, oh, it's so hot in here. And Doom's like, it is hot. And then they all start. <laughs> and then Arnim Zola's like, did you get this iPhone? <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> 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 <laughs>